Welcome to Documentary First, an inside look at a first-time filmmaker's journey. I'm your host, Josh Lindsay, from the Movie Proposal Podcast. And with me is our first-time filmmaker, Christian Taylor. Hello, Josh Lindsay. Hi, everybody. Hello, Christian Taylor. And also with us is our trusty, dusty, research extraordinaire sound guy, Jason Rugg. Hey there. Hey, you got a new job this week. <laughs> Every week we're going to add a new yeah, title. That's right. We're going to make it longer and longer. Before we jump in uh, to this week's podcast, I want to make a plug for the movie proposal. Our most recent episode, episode number 60, features a documentary, or some people call it a docu-comedy. Hmm. It's on Netflix called The Legend of Cocaine Island. Boy, that is a very tantalizing title. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I saw it advertised, had no interest at all. It just seemed, I didn't even, something about cocaine just turned me off, but then a friend recommended it to me, and it is a fabulous documentary. Really? Well, <laughs> yes. can you, like, sum up the gist of it? Okay, it is a true story. Uh, it's basically a family where they had risen in the world of success and money and living the high life and then lost everything with the recession. The father, desperate to provide for his family and give him that lifestyle, finds out about a bag of cocaine that's buried in an island near Puerto Rico (laughs) worth probably $2 million. And he gets the idea, what if I go dig it up? I could change my family's life forever. And so it's about his story. <laughs> well, that does sound interesting. <laughs> but here's the other interesting thing, too, about this. This was also a first-time filmmaker's movie. Really? Yeah. So he, a young filmmaker, if you go to the podcast Original Content, you can hear the interview with the filmmaker about how he found the story, uh, met this guy. And then – because it's very interesting because they do reenactments and they interview the actual guy – who goes to look for the cocaine, but the actual guy actually does his own reenactments. That's interesting. It is interesting. It's very funny. So This kind of sounds similar to my documentary. (laughs) Did you find a bag of cocaine? Well, I found a... In deep jewels buried in another country mm. that I went to unearth and am bringing to light for everyone to see. It, I doubt it will enrich me or my family in any way, but it's good to know it could be successful. And I, I'm going to guess everything you did was legal and ethical. <laughs> Absolutely above board. Fantastic. All right, well, let's jump into our podcast, yeah. Documentary First. Uh, last time we spoke, we were Talking about the dark night of the soul. Yes, we were. You thought you had come to the end. Your editor, Bill, was out the door. There was no more money. Right. And you said, (laughs) one more day. And then, miraculously, money showed up, and Bill couldn't believe it. And so you kept going. And uh, we, the the movie La La Land had had come up. And so why don't we pick up there? Yeah, I had basically said – you know, if you've seen La La Land, and I recommend everyone does, um, the character character Mia had this dark night of the soul where she gave up everything, and because um, she wanted to be, her dream was to be an actress. Yes, right? yes, as was mine, ironically, <laughs> uh, and yet here I am. Um, so yeah, and so I really related with that. And let me just say, as a side note, that whole dark night of the soul thing has probably happened about. 20 times during this project. It is not the first. I don't know if you guys have ever seen sort of the creative process little chart where Mm -hmm. it talks about this is wonderful and then the next phase is like what are we doing? And then the next phase is like this is horrible and then it's like this might work and then it's like 
hey, this is awesome. Yeah, so. It's not a straight line. No, it is not, and it's a total cycle. That happens like, you know, 50 times. Anyway, if you are a first-time filmmaker and you want to understand what the experience will be like, it'll be that chart over and over again probably 100 times before you're done. Okay. Anyhow, um, yeah, I had a really interesting relationship with La La Land because um, at Christmas time, my son Hunter had come home. He was here with Flo's daughter, Alicia, and he wanted to watch La La Land, and I'd never had any interest in doing it. And I was like, okay, I'll watch it. So I'm watching the movie, completely caught up in it. I'm loving it. You know, I did want to be an actress. I could totally relate with everything. Like her, you know, auditioning is my life every day. I still do (laughs) acting work in case you're wondering. And so... It gets to the middle of the movie, and all of a sudden, I'm hearing, like, my inner monologue, and I just bust out crying, and I get up and run out of the room just, like, gut-wrenching sobbing, and I'm like, what is happening to me? Like, I, I, it was such an emotional reaction. I, I didn't even know what was happening. And Hunter and Alicia ran over, and they were hugging me, and I think they instinctively knew that that was my internal monologue, and they're like, this, you are going to do this. This is not going <laughs> to fail. You have to keep going. So they, in that situation, were Sebastian for me, mm-hmm. and they enticed me back in to finish watching the movie, which was fabulous and heartbreaking all at the same time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but so uh, at some point during the, this whole process in Tennessee, I began listening to the movie, and that that whole scene began playing in my mind because during that six weeks, I really did, like, have these occasions where I just wanted to quit. You know, like, it is so hard. This has been the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, whether it's raising money or whether it's working with difficult people or whether it's overcoming, you know— legal things and paperwork and getting stuff done, balancing my family life along with my work life, um, pressing on when I'm sick. You know, we've had like, I think nine like crew members, family members pass away. Mm -hmm. So it would take them out of the, you know, cycle of getting stuff done. We've had, you know, injuries and just, I mean, all sorts of emotional collapses. And I was even having big, huge things while I was in Tennessee, you know, my son joined the army. Another one needs to drop out of college. Like, I mean, it just kind of kept going. And so, um, you know, it is just so easy just to roll over and be like, I am done. And um, so when I started playing that music, you know, it just was so inspiring. From like, La La Land? Yeah, from La La Land. It was so inspiring to me, whether it was another day in the sun or whether it was, you know, she talks about her aunt in Paris where, you know, she reminded her that we need a little crazy in the world in order to bring us life and color and bring on the artists and bring on the painters, you know. I mean, just all of those things. And, and then the reminder of how important relationships are in the midst of this project that I'm hellbound and determined to do. Mm-hmm. So it was inspirational that you need to keep going for me. Um, it was music that I would dance to. Literally, my mother has a um, like patio off of her apartment, which is covered under trees. And I went out there and just danced at some points. Like I felt like David dancing before the Lord just because, I don't know, it made my soul sing. And it and I have been dreaming about doing something that blesses and changes 
other people and causes them to think. But it was a reminder, too, that I can't sacrifice my family and my closest relationships to pursue something that I feel like I'm called to do or some sort of dream I had in my head um, that I really needed to keep everything in balance. And so literally, I watched that movie four or five times. I watched it with my nieces and nephews who were staying there. I introduced them to that. They came and danced with me on the patio. <laughs> um, you know, I shared it with um, just different people. I just had the, you know, soundtrack on repeat. And So we talked about this movie on the Movie Proposal podcast, and Sky had interpreted it as, you know, you know there, that the message was – it's worth sacrificing relationships to pursue your dream. I had the other interpretation of um, that at least Sebastian regretted right. losing that relationship in pursuit of a dream, you right. know. And so I think it's interesting you bring that up that you don't, you know, and how hard it is and, and this dream you have and that you do, and but life goes on and you can't sacrifice your family in the midst of that. I mean, right. maybe talk about a minute of, of how you do that. You know, uh, I'll say this other thing. I've talked about this a few times on the podcast is uh, like Billy Joel was interviewed by Alec Baldwin and they talk about their failed marriages and Billy Joel got it. Like the, the time he put into his music, he understood why his marriage has failed. Alec Baldwin was kind of clueless. He didn't understand why his ex-wives didn't quite understand. <laughs> it describes Alec Baldwin as I have experienced it. <laughs> <laughs> There's certainly a price to be paid, but how do you do how do you pay a price? What is that price? And then how do you not sacrifice everything? No. That's such great questions. You know, uh, and it's a process. I've been learning along the way and making huge fumbles, uh, of course, as you can imagine. But I'll say one thing. Not only is it important, like my decisions and my choices important, but the people I'm in relationship with also have to be made of a certain metal. And so when I, um, when I was watching La La Land, Sebastian to me was so much my husband, you know? He's always believed in me more than I believed in myself. And he's, he's kept me from quitting. Like, I don't. Five times I've been like, okay, I'm done. I'm quitting. Because a lot of the conflict has come from our relationship. Like, he is a, in a very stressful job. He needs my support and help. I have been the one traditionally to carry everything with the family, with our four boys, whether it's stuff in school, feeding our family, doing the grocery shopping, going to the pharmacy, picking up the dry cleaning, you know, taking care of the dog, whatever it is, usually those were all my responsibilities. And my work was not what keeps our family afloat. My husband's work keeps our family afloat. And so I really needed to be support staff for him. And for two years now, he has accepted um, all of incredible amounts of pain in order to support me to finish this project. Now, we did talk about it in the beginning, and he agreed and we agreed together that we were going to do this together. It wasn't something that I headed off down the street by myself and hoped, you know, he would just come along. But we did agree together, and then we've had to reaffirm that commitment over and over and over again. And um, learning how to balance has been what's been most difficult for me. Because one, I'm a person that um, while I can multitask lots of different tasks, 
my, uh, when I'm on a project, I cannot focus on any other project. So for example, when I'm dead set on focusing on this project, I cannot take on a weight loss campaign, which is what I should be on right now. You know, like in order for me to lose weight, I need to exercise daily. I need to watch what I eat. I need to be focused on that because it's hard for me. And I cannot take on those two hard things at once. Mm -hmm. So I jettison everything else that's difficult. And I just focus on this one thing. My husband's much better at balancing those things than I am. So you know, in our relationships, when we would have difficult things or disagreements or whatever, I just couldn't talk about all of those things or deconstruct our problems or our relationship. I just had to ask him to set those aside. But I also had to be willing to, when I could, not work and spend time at home. When I could um, t- engage in problems with our kids or whatever. And um, sometimes I'm more successful than others. But the problem in production is that production demands a certain level of intensity. And I understand why marriages break up in the entertainment community. I understand why they break up in the production community. Because by the nature of the business, you truly have to sacrifice your personal life. And every producer will tell you that. And every director will tell you that. There has to be some level of setting those things aside in order because your schedules, you work 12, 14 hour days or more, you're traveling all over the place. Like it is super hard to be consistent. And and, and you just never know what's going to pop up in your schedule. Right. So you don't have a lot of control, as much control as outside people think you do. And, um, you know, I'll just mention my sons. I mean, my sons have been so excited and supportive of me. You know, I've poured into them so much. Now they're willing to pick up slack and encourage me and understand when I say, I cannot talk to you. I cannot handle this. You need to do this. And then my mother and my sisters and my father, they're my cheerleaders and help me with anything I need and listen to me talk. And so, like I say, I do think it's the people that you have in your circle, the metal that they're made of, the kind of relationships that you have, and your commitment to preserving those and listening to what they need and deciding, you know, a lot of guilt has come from me not being there for my family, a lot, or my friends. A lot of my friendships have had to be on pause, and I feel tremendous amount of guilt. And so I'm always weighing the I know I'm going to disappoint people. I know I'm going to let them down. I know they're going to be mad at me. And I have to emotionally be able to handle that and do my job and hope that they'll forgive me or not leave me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is very interesting because you hear, you know, as someone who's a fan of film, you know, you hear the stories of production woes and, you know, money gained and money lost and actors on, actors off and drama in that regards, but never like what's going on in their personal relationships and the toll that it takes. And so this has probably been the most honest and forthcoming explanation of like what it, the toll it takes on someone. You know? Well, and you hit on the money part. Like there is huge amounts of money being expended and a lot of times it's mine, you know, <laughs> or my family's. Um, and there's other money I cannot bring in because, you know, I'm not getting paid to do this. Um, there's those money problems as well. And I do think that as I look, you know, we didn't even mention the fact that your production people, they become your family. Like, you're spending more time when you're working on a film with production people than you do with your own family. Mm -hmm. So I completely understand why relationships happen 
that shouldn't happen in the production world because you're all together all the time and you need each other and you are human. And, you know, so I get all that. And then that breaks up families too, which brings me to my next thing, which is everybody needs to have a true North. You know, they have to have a true North, who they are, what they believe, what their value system is that keeps all of their desires and fears and everything in check. And so for me, my Christian faith has been that true north for me. My relationship with Christ has sustained me every step of the way. And my biblical values of keeping my you know, faith first, my relationship with God, my relationship with my husband, and then my family, keeping those priorities in the proper triangle shape. Um, has been what's sustained me. And, you know, I truly am having a constant conversation with the Lord every minute of every day, asking Him to show me what choices to make in my personal life and my professional life, you know, asking Him to, you know, fight for me and solve my problems and trusting that he will and not letting myself be overcome by fear. I mean, a million times a day, I have to let this project go. Many times, that's why I have been ready to quit. In a sense, Lord, I say, I'm ready for you to take it. If this is not your will and it's not something you're blessing, I'll gladly walk away. You know, instead of holding on to it so tightly, mm-hmm. my identity is not wrapped up in it. My worth is not wrapped up in it. Um, it's just a job I feel like I'm called to do. I need to do it the best I can, you know, balancing all of my families as wife, mother, you know, sister, daughter, filmmaker, director, producer, writer, social media, <laughs> you know, intern, fundraiser, blah, blah, blah. Right. So you need a house built on a rock, right? You know, so you can... Absolutely. absolutely right. So a house built on a rock, and you need to see the movie La La Land if you haven't seen it, right? <laughs> so, you know, well, whatever movie works for other people, it may not be La La Land, but I would certainly say one other movie I'll throw out there, Bill told me during the dark night of the soul time, he's like, watch Lost in La Mancha. Oh, yes. <laughs> He's like, Christian, go watch Lost in La Mancha. You'll feel so much better about our project. <laughs> no, that, that's another documentary uh, about Terry Gilliam, who's part of Monty Python, who's made some of my favorite films, Fisher King and Time Bandits. And, <laughs> and he's, his dream was to make the movie about Don Quixote, which is coming out. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it taken decades to get here. Right. And so they made a documentary, Lost in La Mancha, about his – Just failed attempts. Well, and talk about all of the relationships and the finances and the legal stuff. And it's a disaster. The moment when all of their equipment went sliding down in the mudslide, I just was like, oh, my gosh, (laughs) I was dying. So, yes, that movie did make me feel better. (laughs) Well, hey, uh, we'll go ahead and wrap up today's podcast. Thank you for listening to Documentary First, where we believe everyone has a story to tell, and you can be the one to tell it. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Josh. Bye, everybody.